Welcome everyone to the Sailorville podcast. Thank you for being here with us this afternoon. It's a lovely rainy afternoon here at Sailorville Church, and uh, I for one enjoy that. I uh, love the rain and <laughs> uh, and the fact that I love, especially because this really wasn't forecasted. It was supposed to be all north of us and we're getting dumped on right now. Uh, I love it. You probably recognize that voice on the microphone. That's Pastor Pat Nemers. He's the lead guy here at Sailorville Church. Uh, as uh, I, I'm Pastor Paul Seymour, I'm the music guy around here, and this is our privilege to to talk about uh, Pastor Pat's message from this past Sunday, from James chapter one, first few verses there, and it's called "Joy Under Trial." And uh, there's a when we say trials, everyone identifies with that. Everyone knows and goes through trials, right? Um, but the joy under trial. I just want to start off this way, Pastor. Pastors. Um, pastor is a great friend of mine and, uh, exemplifies, um, joy, uh, especially in hard times. And I've seen it myself, uh, but pastor, maybe you can, uh, maybe you can just define for us. Let's define some terms here real quick, because many people know what trials are, but they have a tough time defining joy I've found. Mm. So can you just speak to that real quick? What, what is joy for a believer? I think it's good they asked the question because I didn't try to define it. Define it that is in the message. And uh, it, you, when you mentioned this to me not long ago that you would ask me this question, I got to thinking about presumption. You know, we sort of we sort of presume people. Well, you know what joy is, you know, right. or do you? You know, it, it's been defined in many different ways. We know it's a fruit of the spirit. Uh, Listen to this quote by John Piper, and I, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to tell you, and as much as we admire this great man of God, this seems like a, a to me at least, kind of a clunky definition. <laughs> His was Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as He causes us to see the beauty of Christ uh, in the wor- word and in the world. And I, I'm not saying that's, I'm not even saying that's not true. I just. I, I read that and I thought about that. That just didn't do anything for me, you know? <laughs> so uh, what's a now, better one? Well, here's mine. Here's mine. <laughs> You're going to probably say, let's go back to Piper after you hear this. Mine, I, I, I think it's an internal exhilaration mm. that comes from God knowing it will all work out in the end. Mm, I do like that. And the reason I, and I, I didn't, I just came up with that on my own, just thinking, and really my mind went to uh, Hebrews 12, where speaking of Jesus as for the joy that was set before him, endured. he endured the cross, yeah. despising his pain, you know, et cetera. So, you know, that wasn't, so, that, that gives you, that's the long view in mind. Yeah. And I think real joy comes when you have the long view in mind. And so that would be my definition. Once again, I think it's an in, internal exhilaration that comes from God, knowing it will all work out in the end. So, Pastor, can I have that if I'm not happy right now in my circumstance? Can you have that joy if you're not happy? Well, mm-hmm. you're not going to have happiness because I think it's been rightly said that happiness is comes from the you know happenstance. It's it's mm-hmm. it's a circumstantial thing. We all experience happiness and we all experience sadness. Those are circumstantial things. Joy. That's why I call it an internal exhilaration. It's not something, the circumstances are not going to dictate my joy. Yeah, That's what makes it supernatural. And I love what you said about the long view too, because I can still have that long view of the joy that's set before me, the hope that's set before me, even if my circumstances are bad. Yeah, and if you look at all the great saints um, and what they've said, you you get, it's, it's voluminous. I mean, they all say the same thing. You know, they, They're looking at the long view on everything and they seem to get through just amazing circumstances that humble us when we think of our own hard situations we go through. Yeah. 
Well, you threw out a quote to me. I'm going to throw out a quote to you here real quick. Okay. And this is from uh, famous uh, John Newton. Ah. Okay. So this is the quote. It belongs to your calling of God as a minister that you should have a taste of the various spiritual trials which are incident to the Lord's people, that thereby you may know how to speak a word in season to them that are weary. And it is likewise needful to keep you perpetually attentive to that important admonition, without me, you can do nothing. Mm. So in your sermon, you had quoted Elizabeth Elliot, and she said, suffering is not for nothing. So this is a pretty broad question, but how does this ring true in your own personal story? Suffering is not for nothing. Well, first of all, I thought it was a better quote because Newton's was so long. It was long. (laughs) (laughs) But he did say something, uh, you know, and 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 your quote was, uh, the idea is that thereby you'll know how to speak a word in season to those who are weary. So what my mind went to is one of my uh, life verses. It's from Romans 15 and verse 18. It's a pretty obscure verse. But in Romans 15, 18, uh, Paul says, I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, mm-hmm. both in word and in deed. And, you know, D.L. Moody once said that the great sin of his generation, <laughs> this you know, in the 1800s, was men who were trafficking in unlived truth. Mm. So, you know, now, the contrawise, you know, the, if, if we're living truth and we've endured a few trials— you know, it's and I did a, allude to this in my message. That those are the people I lean into, and you know, I said it early on. I, they were well-intentioned individuals, but I got books and sermons and stuff from people who who really had not struggled. You know, to, 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 as far as I could tell, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm not saying they didn't have any struggles, but I just it just I didn't care. I mean, the books. I'm sure they were great books. Yeah. I didn't read them. Didn't land. I, they did not land. <laughs> but let me tell you something. When I got Elizabeth Elliot's books. And uh, Warren Wiersbe sent me a little booklet, Jesus and Your Sorrows. And uh, man, oh man, that book that book ministered to my soul. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it really, really did, as did Elizabeth Elliot's uh, books and a few others that were like that. So I think that's the idea that Newton's trying to convey. And to your question, uh, I think uh, being able to look back and see the many things that one's suffering has produced. And again, I know this is retrospective. I mean, you got to look back now. Yeah. But if you've suffered well, you're going to be able to see, uh, you know, in your in your spiritual rearview mirror, uh, the blessings that have been produced in not only your life, but maybe the lives of others. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, this past weekend, shameless, that's not a shameless plug. We, we planted another church in the Engage <laughs> Network. Praise the Lord. Yep. It just happened to be uh, my son, who was a former uh, you know, uh, director of our evangelism and such here at Sailorville Church. But you know, his story is, has been frequently told in mm-hmm. many ways. And even in my book, you know, I have a whole chapter dedicated to him. But let me tell you something. That was, that was a deeper trial than even the loss of my wife. I mean, he... That was that just about dismantled me. I mean, mm. I had written, I wrote a, re, a letter of resignation when John was at his worst point, mm. and it was a real struggle. And of course, it's well known that the Lord had to, you know, showed me that it was mostly about me than it was about John <laughs> making an idol out of him and such. But I see what it's what it produced in me. It produced a level of humility that wasn't there, and it's it produced a a, a pretty good minister out of the kid. 
and that's Eden Church. That's John Nemers. He's referencing there his son, yeah. Eden Church on the north side of Des Moines. If you're uh, if you're on the north side of Des Moines looking for a local church there, and you happen to be hearing this, there's a good place to to land there. Yeah, boom shakalaka. Boom shakalaka. <laughs> I like when you get the boom shakalaka. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Um, so pastor, your first, your first point in the message was that trials, uh, are a gift from God. Now, a lot of people can, can hear that. And I know I'm, I'm part of the counseling ministry. We all do counseling around here, but I hear people come in with trials and we're talking about cancer and we're talking about, uh, unfaithfulness in marriage and we're talking about wayward children. And how, how do you counsel someone, uh, in those situations when they're just having a hard time yeah. seeing those things as a gift. Well, again, it's one of those counterintuitive things. I think we have to be careful when we use that. I, I don't think I would just sling that out of the bag, you know, if I'm sitting with somebody, hey, yeah. this is a gift, you know. <laughs> uh, but I do think it's a theological thing. Yeah. As I mentioned from Philippians 129, you know, uh, you know, it's been granted unto you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but to suffer for his sake. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so we, and then the more classic and more well-known verse that, almost as universal. It's, I mean, next to John three sixteen, as a, how many believers are unfamiliar with Romans eight twenty eight. Mm-hmm. all things work together for good. But as you've heard me say, Paul, you know, to me, most people make a beeline for the good. I make a beeline for the, the word together mm-hmm. because it's the together that bothers people so much. <laughs> uh, so God is sowing together, good, bad, ugly, sinful, hurtful, sickness, death, yeah. rebellion, and every other curse that the that the curse the, the curse has uh, manufactured, you know, over the over the millennium, the millenniums that is, yeah. and uh, and so I would say to our listeners, you would understand. You you need to know that theologically it's true. It's a gift. You trust the Lord who has sown this into your life or, you know, and maybe it's of your own doing. We did a little differentiation in the sermon on that, but even if it wasn't of your own doing, God allowed it. And you don't have to understand that. I mean, you don't have to understand what he was doing. I I don't honestly, there's no way I could have understood in the moment why God took my wife away. I alluded to that, you know, that I didn't, but I believed in him Mm -hmm. and I was never, I was never angry. I as God is my witness, I was never angry over the loss of my wife. Very broken, uh, uh, somewhat fearful. I mean, I had seven children after all, and it was, uh, you know, this was, I was stunned. I was totally stunned. I never saw it coming. There was no precursor to her death, no medical issues. I did not humanly understand what was going on, mm-hmm. but I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. I, I had to understand that I had, I served a sovereign God. I know I, we sling that term around a lot, but mm-hmm. that, that, that becomes very practical in the moment when you realize that, that he has purpose and meaning and all that, and that ha- that's good enough for me. Yeah. And the, it reminds me of a song that we sing at Sayerville called Faithful Now. And that verse says, I don't always understand. I don't always get to see, but I will believe it. Speaking of God's promises. That's, that's, that's it. That's what we have to do in that moment. That's it. And by the way, just a, a shout out to the music on Sunday. That is, you know, the only people that get to see that after, you know, after the fact is those who go back to the live stream that was recorded. It was great music. It, I mean, I, I know I said it at the end of every message, but uh, it's been a long time since it seemed like every single song had a just made a beeline to the message itself. And that was really good. And I'm 
want to let you know how much I appreciate well, that. Praise the Lord. This this crinkling you hear right here, that's the $20 bill I'm passing across the table right now to Pastor. For, <laughs> I'll no. take it. Thanks, Pastor. I appreciate that. Um, so is it possible? Here's here's a question I, I've mulled over a bit in my own heart. Um, God uses our suffering, right? And God uses, like you said, he makes all things work together. So he makes the good and the bad work together. He he gets glory from the the pharaohs and he gets glory from the Josephs, right? Um, is it possible for us to to waste that gift, that gift of trial? Can we waste it? Yeah, yeah, I, I I think we can waste it. I gave a I gave a silly illustration on Sunday, if you'll recall, but it was my my purpose of the silly illustration was to show not only can we waste the trial, but our trials, we, we tend to, we tend to make a beeline, use that term again, I want to overuse that term, but to make a beeline to heavies, to, to a death, to a cancer, to the rebellion of a child, to somebody, uh, deconstructing or something that's be very, very heavy. Mm -hmm. But I was talking about not getting my cup of coffee, if you'll recall, you know, and, uh, I failed there. I wasted the trial uh, you know, I, I didn't completely waste it because I caught myself. Everything was internalized. I don't think I was showing anything on my face, but I might have been, you know. It's like, are you kidding? You got the dispenser right there. There's my cup, and you, you're going to make me wait for this? All you have to do is do the Christian thing and give up coffee, though. Yes, 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 yes. yes. I thought all Christian. Anyway, uh, so I think it is possible, but another thought came to my mind. I think, I think God desires to use all of our suffering. But sin is the great waster. Mm -hmm. It's the great waster. When we, I mean, it does. It just all you know. You could almost define sin as as using the word waste. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, in Second John uh, uh, eight, you can choose any chapter you want. Second John, you know. <laughs> But it says, uh, it, it, it says uh, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what, what we have worked for, that you may win a full reward. So there's a warning there that, you know, it's not a warning. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose reward. Mm. And that would be a waste, mm -hmm. would it not, mm -hmm. uh, to lose your rewards? And, and uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, you know, this... This message was meant to be an encouraging, hope-filled message, and I think it was. Mm -hmm. The feedback I got that was that it was, but there were some caveats, and that would be one right there. So there are trials that um, come upon us, right, uh, that, that happen to us, and then there's trials that happen because... Um, yeah, I think, it was, I think it was John Wayne, right, the quote from John Wayne, everything happens for a reason. And sometimes the reason is you're stupid, make bad choices, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so by that, I mean to say there are trials that come upon us that are of our own making. So how can, how can God bring about joy and, and bring about his own glory if, if the trial that I'm going through was brought on by my, it was of my own making, brought on by my own sin? Can God redeem that and use it? Well, yeah, we have to believe that he can and that he does. I mean, he, you know, again, if God is sovereign, he, what is that Proverbs 16, where it says he, you know, he, he even, he even uses 
men who rebel against the things of the Lord to bring about his own glory. I mean, mm-hmm. only God can pull that kind of stuff off. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give us a carte blanche to live like that, but you're never going to one-up God. Right. I mean, he's going to be glorified one way or another. What I think it just came to my mind. Psalm 7310, I might have my address wrong. <laughs> Somebody's going to have to check me out on that. But uh, it's it says, uh, even the wrath of men shall praise him. Mm. That's pretty powerful stuff pretty there. Cool. Yeah. Well, you're going to the next question. I'm going to make sure I got that one right. If I was a betting person, I would not put money against you on references. I've learned that for sure. I'm lucky sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I might have got it right. Uh, that's not it. I got the wrong one. <laughs> oh, you should have put money I down, put Paul. I should have done it. <laughs> I'll well, find it. Referencing, uh, referencing an aforementioned uh, gentleman who I, I used to quote, but John Newton, just a, a brief part of his quote says, trials are medicines which our gracious and wise physician prescribes. Um, you spoke of, of one of your points in your message was that trials are, are a, perf- a perfecter of our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if trial, if God uses trials as medicines, you know, we, I think we would all say sometimes that medicine doesn't taste so good going mm-hmm. down. Right. So how do I, how do we keep that per- perfecter perspective uh, amidst really, really painful situations? First, try to say that five Perfecto times fast. Per- <laughs> I don't think I could. I can't do it two times fast. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, my first thought was the famous line from Mary Poppins. You need <laughs> the God's theologian. spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down, right? <laughs> oh, we went from John Newton to Mary Poppins yeah, we in a couple sentences. Really, we're digging deep here today, Paul. <laughs> Uh, but what is it? I mean, you used, you're the one who used the metaphor. So, uh, you know, I do think that we, you know, the, the spoonful of sugar is the truths of God. I mean, that's, that's where we have to be. I mean, it, it does come back to the elementals of the promises of God. I alluded to it again in my message, didn't go over and over, but I was listening to Johnny Erickson Todd. I give one of her talks that were so inspiring, so powerful. And she has suffered much as you well know, she's mm-hmm. whatever, what she was, she's 17 years old when she yeah. dove into a pool so. and paralyzed her. And she's 72 or four or something now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and her spoonful of sugar has been the truth the medicine of God, the truths mm-hmm. of God. She just kept going back to the promises of God. And I remember reading it, and it was so elemental. It wasn't anything profound. Now, she had great, that that one great statement I shared in the in the message, God you know, does what he hates to accomplish what he yes. loves. It's a great line, but, but mostly she just meditated on the truth of God. And those are the things that keep us going through these difficult times. By mm-hmm. the way, I... I I was off. I said Psalm 7310. It was Psalm 7610. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> and it says, Surely the wrath of man shall praise you, and the remnant of wrath you shall put on like a belt. Mm. That's good stuff right there. <laughs> that is really, really good stuff right there. We have uh, about so. a five five chapter grace period on either Three. side. So okay, Three. that's good. <laughs> yeah, oh, I see. I, I was within the grace You're within period. It, yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, you spoke of these uh, scripture references, our trials. Um as necessary trials. And you spoke to that in your message a bit, uh, you know, meaning that these hard times, God knows that we need them. They're necessary. Um, so how does a believer remember? And, and this is, I think something people really struggle with because we are forgetful people, right? Mm-hmm. How do we remember and retain those lessons after the trial's done, after the test is over? Yeah. Um, I, I find so many times, you know, I'll learn something and then I'll, you know, 
seemingly just forget it and make the same stupid mistake again. So yeah. how do we how do we rehearse that and, and keep it in our system? Well, I wrote a book about these things, Paul. I know you weren't teasing. I know you weren't teeing me up, but that I was, was not. That is the premise of the book: was yeah. cultivating humility after humiliation. And the premise of the book is is the willingness to retell the stories whereby you messed up, you screwed up, you sinned, you mm-hmm. you you just did dumb, stupid things. And um, I don't know about you, but you don't have to be brilliant to remember something if you repeat it a few times. Mm-hmm. Repetition is always the way people remember things. Now, there are some things, there are some people out there that have photographic minds and things like that, but I've found that the some if I repeat something enough, it, it just eventually sticks. So, but to go to the scripture itself, you know, the psalmist, you know, said, David said, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works, I muse on the work of your hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he meditated, he mused, he thought, and then, the, you know, uh, another psalm says, uh, forget not all his benefits. And so mm-hmm. how, I would say to our listeners here, any way, any way it takes, for some it's writing things down. I, I sort of make fun of people that write, you know, you know, voluminous, no, take voluminous notes on messages and they got five pages of notes. And I think you're, you're never going to look at that again, you know, but they do have like a community group in two or three days where they do look at their notes. And, and I'm guessing there's somebody listening out there says, I look at my notes all the time. Well, okay. Whatever it takes, if that helps you remember, then write stuff down. I'm not a big, I don't write, I don't have a diary. I don't keep lengthy. I have done journals in the past, but it's never been a long-term habit of mine. That's probably to my fault. But what I do do is I have uh, on one of my, I have a couple of electronic versions of scripture and I will write notes right in there. I'll devotional thoughts, thoughts that God has given me. I'll put them right in there. Uh, as you know, as long as the cloud doesn't break and the, and the grid doesn't fall down, I'll have those notes for a long period of time. And somebody will probably record them. I'm guessing That's right. if for what it's worth, but I mean, I just, whatever it takes to me, repeating them. Mm-hmm. And that takes humility mm-hmm. to, to tell the story of God in your life. You got to do that. Yeah. And I, that makes me think of one of my favorite passages of scripture is second Corinthians chapter one and talks about God being the God of all comfort. And he comforts us in our trials so that, why? Yeah, so that we can comfort other people. Right. And you're not going to do that unless you have a story to tell. Yeah, and you keep repeating that. And, and, and when you're an open book about your failures and your trials and you repeat that to others, it's all the more easy for you, yep. I find, to, to remember them yep, absolutely. myself. So uh, the, the pastor, Woodrow Kroll, has had this, this has said this. He said, trouble never troubles God, which I think is another way of saying, similar to what you, the Amy Carmichael quote, you brought out in your message. And she said, God knows all about the boats. And you can unpack that in a little bit in just a second, but there's one more quote I want to give you. And this is from a friend of mine uh, who's going through something really hard right now and heard your message. Mm. And he said, and you can unpack this quote as well. He said, there's a lot of waves I'm trying to kiss right now. (laughs) Oh, wow. So how does, how does a believer nurture it now? And we're speaking to the sovereignty of God, right? The in-controlness in a way of speaking of God. How does the believer nurture their trust in the sovereignty of God when it feels like the waves are many and they're relentless? Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to just have a canned answer because that yeah. this the individual is going through some really hard times. There are It's more than one thing he's dealing with. That's right. And uh, so to me, the very first thing that comes to my mind 
next to the promises of God that you have to be, he has to be in the word. He's got to be heard, but he needs to hear directly. Cause when you're in the word, you're hearing directly from God. Mm-hmm. So I'll never deviate from that, but then he just needs the church. Mm-hmm. He needs the church. He yeah. needs the people of God Amen. to come into his life. And this is why we're told in Hebrews 10, you know, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, but you know, but assembling together, right? And all the more, you know, as we see the day of Christ approaching. So to me, he needs the church. Mm -hmm. He needs to be around people who will love him, help him through these circumstances uh, so that he doesn't fall into a a big pity party and start complaining and whining and stuff. That's a a terrible place to be. I'd say the church is what he needs. I I talked to someone recently, and uh, they were going through something real hard, and and they said, um, you know, I just didn't want to bother anybody in the church. I didn't want to, you know, put that burden on them. And I, I looked at him and I said, you know, you really don't have a good theology of the church. No, that's a great line from you. Because that's, 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 that's one of the things that we do is we come alongside each other and we bear one another's burdens. That's so fulfill the law of Christ. Which yeah, and us. I love that, Paul, because in Galatians 6 where that's stated, it also states, you know, you got to bear your own burden. The same passage mm-hmm. talks, it uses two different words. One carries the idea of, you know, the backpack, so to speak, that you can carry. Mm-hmm. And we do have to carry some burdens on our own. That Us and Jesus, we get along just fine that way. But your your friend needs those who will bear his burden. Right. And as you mentioned, well put. He had a poor theology of the church. Because yeah. that's what we, we need one another. None of us Amen. are completely independent. We are interdependent people. So just a couple questions before we wrap things up here, Pastor, and, and thank you for your time today and your, your wisdom from the Word. Uh, but you referenced um, um, experiences of other giants of the faith, frankly, that you've leaned into. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Scripture is the authority, and that that is the thing that is the paramount in our lives as believers. But we also are encouraged by other saints that have gone before and uh, maybe a little bit further up the hill and wave us on forward. So um, those giants that you've leaned into during your trials, can you just maybe name some of those examples and uh, just give give our listeners some people that maybe they can emulate to in their trials? Yeah, well, first of all, I would say that those giants of the faith should be people who have either died. <laughs> You're pretty safe by then. They're not going to mess up because we all just heard of a, of a popular pastor uh, uh, of the last uh, generation who ironically is my exact age. We are we are one month apart in age, mm-hmm. that pastor I'm referring to. You know who I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And uh, who uh, looks to be abandoning the faith once mm-hmm. and for all delivered to the saints. Uh, hopefully he isn't, uh, but he's made some serious compromise. At, at, and uh, so be careful about uh, leaning into young people and I, you know, it's easy for the 65-year-old guy on the microphone here to, to you know, besmirch some 30-year-old because, you know, God has raised up some mighty 30-year-old men who are mm-hmm. men of God and women of God who've done great things. Elizabeth Elliot herself, who I referenced repeatedly, was, you know, really young when she became a widow. And then she became, a, then she remarried. You know, she remarried when she was like, I think she's like 40 or 41. She remarried. Mm. And the guy she married was my age. He was, well, he's in his sixties. Mm. He was, and uh, he was she's like 20 years older than her. And he died three years later of cancer. Oh my. 
Uh, and I remember her giving a podcast saying she goes, she talked about Addison Leach. She was a professor at Trinity and she goes, she talked about him. She goes, and I know he's old. He was a lot older than me, but all I know is I loved him. Mm-hmm. And it was so cool to have her, you know, she's married to Lars Grin at the time, her third husband. <laughs> and, uh, but to speak so freely like that. And, you know, I, I can't, I mean, I'd like to say that my wife and I, we wanted, we had to get to a place where we could freely talk about our first spouses, mm-hmm. not inordinately, not all the time, but when the time would come up and it wouldn't be a problem for her to reference Lori and he doesn't get a lot of airtime because I'm the preacher in this church, but her, her first husband was Lori. He was a great, great man of God. He was an elder in his church. He was a soul winner. He got to preach from time to time, aspiring to ministry when he got, when he started getting sick. And uh, there's another story you'll have to ask my wife about sometime on that. It's a pretty, pretty powerful story on that. But then I have often talked about Nina, my first wife, and mm-hmm. to be, I don't want to, again, I don't want to get off the, 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 this, the question at hand, but to, I just admire people like Elizabeth Elliott who could talk so freely like that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, the men who are gone, like Spurgeon, who suffered tremendous uh, bouts of depression. He had gout. Uh, you know, pre- he was he was superhero status even in those days. There was a there would be there would be carriages that would go in London that would be yelling out over the bridge to hear Charlie, over the bridge to hear Charlie, mm. and people would just pack into these these carriages to be taken over, and then they'd tell him they they couldn't come in because they didn't have enough room. And <laughs> and uh, uh, but he privately suffered greatly, and. Uh, you know, then of course, uh, Tim Keller, another contemporary we could lean in, you know, faithful to the end. Mm -hmm. I just love that faithful Bill Bright, you know, founder of, uh, of, uh, uh, campus crusade, man, what a man of God he was. I mean, and he suffered greatly until he, you know, he had, he had I can't remember what they call him. He had some kind of, there wasn't emphysema, but it was something like that. It was just really bad. And, but man, these guys suffered well. Yeah. I love seeing that kind of stuff. And I think I, I, I encourage our listeners to lean into those who have suffered well and really lean into the older ones as much as you can, yeah. not at the expense of the younger ones, because they can really lead the way too. In fact, the younger ones that really stand the test, they're the ones who really lead the way contemporarily. You just have to be careful because uh, they haven't lived all their lives out just yet. You know, right. anyway. Hope I'm not yeah, babbling too much. I, no, I, that's really good stuff. And and I find, uh, just go along with what you're saying, I find the ones that have been uh, faithful, though hit the hardest with those waves, um, are the ones that impact me the most. I, I still remember going to, uh, I was at a conference, the Sing Conference, actually, the first year of the Sing Conference in Nashville. And uh, Laura Story was on the piano. Uh, she wrote uh, several popular songs, uh, mm-hmm. but she was singing the song, uh, I think it's called Blessings. And it was referencing her husband who had gone through brain cancer. And that's what the, the song was about mm. and talking about how God's blessings often come in the form of trials is what the yeah. song is really about. But the, the lady on stage with her was Johnny Erickson Tata. Oh, wow. And seeing one of the most moving experiences in worship for me ever was sitting in that auditorium and looking down at John, Johnny Erickson Tata in the wheelchair with her hands raised looking, mm. looking to the heavens and singing at the top of her lungs. Wow. And I still remember that because she was some, she is someone that has faced heavy, heavy trials, but has remained faithful amidst all the pain. And, and that it's just so moving, you know? 
Yeah, and I just thought of this, Paul. You know, an interview that Johnny Erickson did a couple years ago, they asked her, what was she looking most forward to when she got to heaven? And everybody was expecting her to be able to get off her wheelchair and run around. She goes, just not having to deal with my sin anymore. Yeah. What? (laughs) That just waylaid me when I heard that. But it's how how true of all of us. Never having to deal with all the sins that uh, encumber us today. Mm Well, we're going to wrap things up here in just a moment, but uh, I'd, I'd be remiss. I, I'm the music guy around here, so I'm going to ask about a song that you actually requested for this past Sunday because yeah. you referenced it in your message. That's George Matheson's uh, great hymn, which we did a rendition of. It's yeah. called, Oh, Love That Will Not Let Me Go. And uh, just let us know, let the listeners know, what uh, what's your favorite line or lines from that song and, and why? I'm really glad you asked this question because... Uh, I have the, these three stanzas, the main ones. I don't know if you wrote more than that or not, but the first one, of course, I quoted, and it's easy to quote. It's very powerful, and it's that surrender part. But the last one you know, takes us to the cross, you know, a cross that uh, lifts the, up my head. But the one I really love is the one in the middle. Uh, oh, joy that seekest me through pain. I mean, you started this out by what is joy. Oh, joy that, that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. And then I trace the rainbow through the rain. Now, that's personal to me. And feel the promise is not vain, that mourn shall tearless be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, many of our listeners may know, and you certainly do, that, uh, that on the day of my wife's funeral, I was, I was, I was just, it was just so heavy. And I went out to the end of the driveway. My kids were all in the house. I was just having a lot of tears. I was just really struggling. Here's the biggest struggles of the day was there. The struggle of the day was not the funeral itself. I just, man, I was just so broken in the moment. So I just can't describe how broken I was. And I looked up in the sky and I said, God, I know that Nina is with you, but would you just confirm that to me? And I half thought he was going to paint her name in the sky, you know, <laughs> and uh, he didn't, nothing happened. But that night, it, the, a quick storm went through. My neighbor uh, called me up. She goes, Pat, I know this is a terrible time, but you've got to go out and see what's outside. And when I went out and looked, and there was a double rainbow, the most powerful I've ever seen before or since, in not a little bit to the left, not a little, I mean, the exact area I was looking at. Mm-hmm. I traced the rainbow through the rain and feel his promise is not vain, that morn shall tearless uh, be. Amen. That's powerful. Well, thank you, Pastor Pat. I'm going to give you the last word here and you can, you can end us up. Is there anything else you want to let our listeners know as we wrap this up here today on this rainy afternoon? Yeah. Appropriate rainy afternoon, huh, Paul? Uh, thanks, Paul. We didn't talk about you. You've been through a lot. You've struggled with depression and, uh, it's been a joy to see you come through these times. And I know that our Good listeners, Lord. you, you listeners, you're going through trials. I don't question that at all. Some of them are heavy, maybe not so heavy. Uh, it's a part of our lives. It's it's it's. Uh, there are lots of reasons for trials, and we didn't get into all the reasons. I I have an entire sermon I preached years ago on these reasons for trials. I'd love to bring that thing back up again and preach it someday. But because I I looked over the notes here from about thirty, uh, maybe thirty years ago. I don't know if it was that long ago, and I I, I thought man, this thing will preach today too, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but listen, listeners, um, you are loved mm-hmm. as Elizabeth Elliot used to begin her 
radio program, Gateway to Joy, she always started it by saying, uh, you are loved with an everlasting love, mm -hmm. and underneath are the everlasting arms. Believe that and have a wonderful day. <laughs>